Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 175. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm joined today by S. Craig Zala, who's who's fantastic. I was really excited to sit uh, sit down and chat with him. Uh, he's not he's not over very often. He, if you're not familiar with him, he did a film. His first f- film, in fact, um, two years ago now, I guess, was Bone Tomahawk, and it got huge praise and love. And then his new film, uh, Brawling's Cell Block 99, is getting huge critical acclaim as well i watched it and absolutely adored it um i made chris of hardcore listing and drunk cast fame i come around earlier last week uh, to re-watch it with me because i enjoyed it that much um but yeah it's a fascinating chat hearing the reason i don't know the reason he appeared to get so much control so quickly there's actually a lot of backstory there so it's a great one but i should mention that we're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com where we've currently got um umbrellas i I mean we take some risks on our merch a lot of bands and labels and record labels just do a new t-shirt in the spring and then a new t-shirt in the autumn and that's about it in the summer, I did blooming swimwear and sunglasses and leggings. And and for this winter, we've done these amazing scarves with our slogan, we may not be for you and that's fine on it. And the umbrellas have got the same slogan on. Uh, we've done jumpers, rucksacks, all sorts of cool stuff. So go and have a browse. If you are a, a regular listener of the podcast and you enjoy it, you know, for free every week, It'd be kind of cool if you could, could, could go and sp- spend a little money in the uh, in the merch shop, um, particularly in, in the in the lead up to Christmas. I've got a lot of great podcasts ahead. In fact, I can tell you about all of them now. I've got a load recorded. I'll tell you about them all in a minute. Um, yeah. Anyway, speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Check it out. What do I want to tell you about? Um, oh, I listened to a new podcast recently it's not on the distraction pieces network but it's a friend of the network and he's actually on he's been on previously and he's on on next week's episode it's called the blind boy podcast and it's blind boy boat club from uh, the rubber bandits and that was one of the most popular episodes i've done of the of the distraction pieces podcast it was yeah it's one of the most downloaded and most praised and when we did that podcast over a year ago I was saying to him he should he should do his own podcast and he's finally started it up. Um, so go and check it out. It's, it's on iTunes and all over the place. Have I mentioned Crowversation before? That's another one I enjoyed recently. Uh, Rebecca Crow, who is a model on Instagram and on tons of publications, alternative model, heavily t- t- tattooed. Um, she started a podcast called Crowversation and it's... I really enjoyed it. It's going to be interviews with inspirational alternative women, essentially, who are doing amazing things themselves. So I think it's really interesting now how in the modelling industry, in the adult industry, in the like cabaret industry and things like that, more and more of the power has gone to the individual and the performer and the artist themselves because of instant access to an audience through social media so people like rebecca and all the different people she's going to be interviewing have kind of turned themselves into businesses and become these inspirational and strong and powerful 
are business women. So um, yeah, it's a really interesting. The first episode was great. I really. It's actually the second episode, but it's the first one that was on iTunes and Acast. But yeah, I recommend that. It's called Crowversation. So Crowversation. It's, it's worth a look. Um, that's all I have to tell you, really. The club night is back soon. Uh, we are lizards, November twenty fifth. Um, I'm going to be joined by Hugo White of the Maccabees um, and Lindy Layton. So it's going to be a hell of a one. It's going to be our last one of the year. So make sure you come along because because of the Christmas break and stuff like that, there's going to be a fair old gap before the next one. So come hang out. I'll happily s- sign anything. If you were thinking of buying anyone my book or anything like that for Christmas, then a good little idea would would be to come along to the club night and I can s- s- sign it for you and personalise it and stuff like that. I don't have any on me, so you need to go and buy it, it first, but speechofrecords.com. Um, yeah, anyway, that's happening November 25th, so check that out. Anything else, anything else, anything else I need to tell you? I think that's about it. Enjoy this conversation with Rev S. Craig Zarla. If you've not caught uh, Bone Tomahawk and Brawling Cell Block 99. Check them them both out. They're both on iTunes and Sky B- Box Office and all that kind of thing. I really recommend them. I think they're great. And we have a, is a really good to get his his thoughts and find out his approach and mindset on it all. Um, next week. Now I'll tell you what's next week at the end of of this episode. I've got some really good people, so stick around. from i nick my name from um an edward lear poem um that's called the scroobius pip and it's about this creature that wakes up in the jungle and doesn't know what it is and it goes with the fish for a bit then realizes it isn't a fish and goes with the lions for a bit then realizes it isn't a lion and at the end it realizes it is just a scroobius pip it's its own creature it can be in all these areas but it's its own thing right and i took that because yeah on my career i've done i did music for 10 years but i was doing street art before that and i was doing um acting and I'm moving into acting again right. now and podcasting it was that idea of right you don't have to be just one thing you can be a multitude of other things which is it's it's something I want to uh, talk to you about as well because of all the areas that you're you're kind of taking For sure. control what kind of, of what kind of what kind of music did you do or do you continue to do? Um, I should introduce I've started rolling in, okay. that, in that classic <laughs> podcast manner of oh we're just having a casual chat yes. um I'm here with S Craig Zala, how do, how do you like to be? Uh, you just call me Zala. Most of my Z- friends Zala, and even even my lovely girlfriend Pam calls me Zala. Perfect. That's that's nice and easy. Um and yeah. Um so the the, the music I was doing, I started off in spoken word, mm-hmm. but not necessarily through any great love of poetry, it was because I grew up in a small town and didn't have p- p- producers to make beats for me or bands to get in. And spoken right. word was something. I was like, right, I can do that off my own back. I right. can just go out and I can start writing now. I don't need any equipment. Right. And then that developed into hip-hop and, and a live band hip-hop at points and just all sorts of electronica and weirdness. So, yeah. Cool. It's been an interesting uh, journey. I mean, let's let uh, let's start uh, uh, by talking music with you. Obviously, we're, we're going to talk about uh, a Broad in Cell Block 99, which I adored. I also want to talk about Bone Tomahawk and everything that's ahead. But uh, you come from a music background. Is that... As something that's still your focus, or 
Uh, uh, for sure. Going to be. M- music is music w- will always need to be a part of my life. Yeah. And um, I listen. To, I listen to it every day. I mean, today. What have I already listened to today? Listen to. Well, I'm in England, so I was listening to some Jethro Tull and some amazing and some and some uh, some Judas Priest and some some Ozzy getting in the whole you know English spirit of things. Yeah. But it's a part of it's a part of me every day. Uh, yeah. I, it's I I don't know I don't know if there are even three days in a year where I don't spend time listening to music, Amazing. and uh, I listen to lots of different kinds of things and get a lot of inspiration from it. And just I'm I'm always hunting, and whether it's Heavy metal, death metal, progressive rock, yeah. jazz, contemporary, or you know, hard bop is is a favorite period of mine. Yeah, uh, soul music like the the songs I wrote and co-wrote for Brawl and Cellblock '99. Yeah, EDM, uh, dungeon synth. Like I'm, I've just a lot Amazing. of interest in it, and uh, and then like most things, I'm really really interested in. Uh, there's a point at which I actually want to create what it is. So yeah. I, I certainly understand where you're coming from in terms of you don't want to just fit into one thing. If you have a lot of interests, you probably want to explore more than one of them. Completely. And is is we'll get onto the soundtracks of your films, but I'm interested in how big a role soundtracks play to your writing. Is is there a writing soundtrack as you're working on a script or even as you're sending out a script to people, kind of, here's a playlist to kind of get the mood of what we're doing here and what the project is? In, in a sort of weird, different way, when I first started out uh, focusing on fiction with scripts and kind of this novel that I that I then finished a little bit later in life and before I got on, on the, the role at... At this point, I've I've written about fifty screenplays and eight novels, so it's it's a good deal. It's a good deal of fiction. All of those pieces, past a certain point, they had a theme song or theme album, and for me, it's sort of a reward at the end of the day. And it may have nothing really to do with the with the content of the story, but it is sort of like reward music. When I finished when I finished writing something, I remember I was writing, you know, a piece for a while, and then the the Marvin Gaye song. Trouble Man, and every yeah. day when I would finish writing, I would I would listen to that, and I was writing a science fiction, uh, a science fiction piece, and there was a, I think it was the first physical release by a Knife Party. You are you aware right. of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it was the first physical release by Knife Party, and I would put in their CD, and it's this reward at the end of the day of of work of writing for me, where I just kind of savor what I've done, and it becomes this soundtrack that. Again, is really just sort of a, a private thing and something I've, I've I've rarely discussed. But it's a little bit like I have a reward system in the in the way that I function, which is at a certain point in the day I allow myself to have a cup of coffee after I've done a certain amount of work. Yeah. And then at a certain point of the day when I finish the work, then I get to listen to It's Trouble Man, or I was writing a science fiction novel, and I was uh, I was listening to uh, uh, a Western. I was listening to Blood Red Skies, the Judas Priest song, yeah. every every day, and so it's just whatever you know, whatever fits and uh, sits nicely, almost as this carrot dangled at the end of my day. It's great having those those motivation points to push you through um, work and 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 to give you those deadlines. If I achieve this amount, I get to listen to this. But making right. them things like a song, it's clever because it's it's giving you that reward, but it's also kind of keeping you in the mood and the tone yep. of what you're working on. So you're rewarding yourself, but probably also getting excited about the next part you're going to write mm-hmm. because you're having this reward, but it's a reward at the end of doing some good stuff. So you're like, well, right. this is keeping me in that zone and yep. making me want to 
jump back to it as such. Yep. Yep. I love that. Um, so, I mean, there's there's so much to discuss as someone who writes and directs and scores or works with on the score at least. But let's start with a, a brawl in, in Cell Block 99. What a, a, a whirlwind of a movie. I actually, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, it was fantastic. And nice to hear. It was great. Um, uh, one of my films of the year previously was Bone Tomahawk. And it was great to see in this second a directorial feature um, that completely different styles and era and things like that. But it, instantly you, you, you seem to have your own very distinct and clear style. It's, it's clearly that it's clearly your film, which is a tough thing to find these days. I think with so many influences to be taken. So, so how are you finding kind of, having your imprint and keeping your imprint and, and your own individual approach on things? Uh, this is the only way I want to do it. So in terms of the the, the imprint, or, or, or I'll, I'll rephrase that and say my, my brand, yeah. I was really interested uh, once I had Bone Tomahawk made in doing three movies right away. Yeah. And uh, I wanted it to be, I wanted there to be a sense of what it means if I'm writing and directing a movie and uh, with the success that we had with Bone Tomahawk, uh, critically and, and financially, uh, and most importantly, uh, artistically in a, in a self-satisfying way, yeah, sure. I, I just wanted to move forward to the next one and be able to uh, deliver some elements better. Uh, right. But the, the, the most important thing to me getting in all these situations is, is that I would maintain creative control. Yeah. And so what you see with... Uh, Bone Tomahawk and what you see with Brawl and Cell Block 99 and you'll see with my third movie which I wrapped shooting with Vince Vaughn, Mel Gibson Tori Kittles and Michael Jai White just uh, a few weeks ago is that, that you know my interest in small character moments and uh, subtle performance jewels and dry comedy is, is the same as my interest yeah. in violence yeah so it's it's all the stuff that I'm interested in exploring, and you know it's it's interesting when I when I look at the reactions that are out there, and it's I would say the the critical response on both of these movies exceeded what I was expecting, uh, because obviously there's a lot of stuff that's potentially offensive in both movies depending on yeah. uh, how how one comes to it. So uh, that that really hasn't been uh, the reaction to, to either movie in any significant way, but it was this thing of I want to explore the character stuff and I want to have the dry comedy yeah. and I want to have some moments where you're seeing them in their mundane world uh, and then at the same time when it gets to the violence uh, I'm interested in exploring new ideas and showing things I haven't seen before so there's this weird thing and, and critics aren't exactly sure how to classify it yeah. in terms of where does it land between the grindhouse and the art house yeah. and I saw there was there was one review written by uh, actually one, one of my favorite uh, critics in the States, uh, Mike D'Angelo, and he said, you know, it's for patient connoisseurs of highbrow, lowbrow combo platters. And Amazing. it was a re- and it yeah. was a really nice turn of phrase and, and, and that's that's what it is. I've I I don't think I've ever described it more accurately myself because yeah. I'm I'm just I'm interested in the stuff that would typically only go in a in a grindhouse movie. Yeah. But I'm interested in spending all the time with the characters. And so even though this is a completely different setting and a very different story than Bone Tomahawk, my 
fascination with the small character moments and comedy and the atmospheric details of the world and extreme violence yeah. is the same. And so I think that's why you're getting a sense of, oh, this is this is this is what Zoller wants to do with it. Yeah, and 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 that's what I I love about it. It's easy um, as a lot of people do to draw to jump straight to the beautiful brutality of 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 the violence um in 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 your scenes and that is something i want to discuss because the way they're shot and 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 created is beautiful but the thing that i think some of the reviews i've read overlook and certainly that jumps out to me is the restraint and patience in getting there um both bone tom hawk and 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 brawling in cell block 99 have real patience and restraint and let you get to know the character and have a, 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 a slow build at points and so that when that, that brutality does come, it's all the more jarring and kind of it, it hits you all the more ab- brutally, I guess. Is that a conscious um, thing? Rather than going, I've got these amazing fight scenes planned yeah it's it, in let's yeah, get in let's go let's go yeah and and, and it's and again it's the, it's that same thing i mean if you ask me who my favorite directors are um it's going to be a list that you know of course of like don siegel yeah and uh sam peckinpah and sergio leone but it'll also have uh john cassavetes and Wong car Wai and uh sydney lamette who's probably my my single favorite filmmaker uh, and i'm a huge fan of the the movies of takeshi katana who's yeah Probably my favorite filmmaker working today. So it isn't. I, I spend all of that time because I'm equally interested in that. Yeah. And uh, there are movies, you know, when people talk about the kills are great or how many kills are in this and slasher movies and stuff yeah. like that. Like I grew up as a kid of Fangoria, and I uh, and I enjoy. I can enjoy a movie that like the reason for this movie existing is to is to show the creative ways to kill a human being. Yeah. Um, I always like it a little bit more if it gets into a supernatural aspect, if it's just going to be about the violence. Yeah. But for me, those movies, there's very little love put into the characters in most most yeah. parts. Like, I, I, I'm a big Lucio Fulci fan and, and enjoy uh, most of his movies and have seen many of them multiple times in, in revival houses in New York City. But I, I've never been emotionally attached to a character in yeah. a movie. They're... They're basically taking me on a journey through a bunch of weird and very atmospheric spaces to these amazingly gory and suspenseful uh, kill sequences. Yeah, and that's yeah. what happens in a Lucio Fulci movie, or most of them. Don't, don't torture, torture Duckling has some, has some stuff that's outside of that, and, right. I, think, and I think a little bit more uh, emotionally uh, rich. Uh, and it's fine if that's what people want to do. And as I said, like, I relish that stuff. I'm yeah. a Lucio Fulci fan. And, I, and Dario Argento and, and Lamberto Bava and all of that stuff. But for me, like, I really am as interested in those those drama sequences with the character. Yeah. And I, I am very fond of these characters. And when bad things happen to the protagonists in my pieces, I'm upset. And me kind of gauging my emotions in the writing process of uh, I'm doing something terrible to a character I care about and I feel bad about it. To me, means like I'm 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 on I'm on the right I'm on the right path. Yeah. Like eliciting emotional experiences from myself while I'm writing 100%. is 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 the is the goal. And so if I just went straight to fight scenes, then and there are movies that are purely fight scenes that I adore. Yeah. Um. So again, this isn't to say it's it's 
uh, better. It's just different in what I want to do in terms of spending all this other time. And, of course, there there can be detractors who just wanted to get to the violence quicker. uh, And then when I, you know, deliver the violence, it's, it's of course, um, uh, pretty strong and and unique to the piece. But it's it's you know it's no more important. And my you know if I'm picking my favorite scenes in Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine, probably eight out of eight out of the top ten are not moments of violence. Yeah. And so that you know that that's that. And I think this is one of the reasons that it's this um, that it's this art house grind house hybrid yeah. uh, kind of piece because uh, because I just I have that interest in all that other stuff. Which tends to be more like the art house uh, kind of experience. Yeah, and and again, it adds a huge amount to it because we go through the journey with Vince Vaughn's character of the the kind of the teetering between deciding if he's a good guy doing bad things or a bad guy doing good things. Um, mm-hmm. When that 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 level has to be. Or the limit has to be pushed over. It makes it all the more impactful. You're, you're invested as as much as you're enjoying the violence or brutality that you've been been waiting for. There is also kind of a sadness because you know that it's not where he wanted this to end or where you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. In in these individual moments, so it adds that extra investment to it rather than just oh that was a cool way to. Yeah, I mean, this someone. is this is a deeply conflicted character. The opening yeah. scene of this movie is bad shit happening to him yeah. and him dealing with it. And uh, I mean, that's you know that that's really what drove the whole writing process for this picture. I knew I wanted to do a prison movie, but it was really those first few scenes with him going to work and what happens there, him coming home, talking to his wife, learning what's going on there, and yeah. his reaction to that, and then his discussion with her. Uh, afterwards that this is this is what sets it up and yeah. you see this um this person who has a lot of anger inside uh and and so 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 well realized by Vince Vaughn he is yeah. he is absolutely phenomenal in this and I had high expectations for him but uh he exceeded my highest expectations um, and this is this I, I I honestly can't think of a better leading performance in the last it's decade absolutely amazing and it makes perfect sense because whilst we generally know him through comedy and things like that. He's a big, huge... He's, he's, he's a, a big dude. dude. He's a huge he's a, dude. He's, a, he's, so a huge he's dude. incredibly believable as as this dark and brooding character. It's, it's, it's annoyed me a little when his character in True Detective similarly kind of intimidating and dark and people saying, oh, he's he's transitioned from comedy into, into drama. But in my mind... Swingers and Maid and things like that were dramas that happened to have characters that were witty and right. engaging, but right. they were dramas. And it feels like it's 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 a return rather than some some crazy thing. Just because he's old school and things like that, it's this comical character. As said, he's a big, intimidating dude. So right. it's completely logical and makes sense that he would be able to beat people up and be this tough character, you know, almost against his own will in... In yep. this and yes, so how and does it like, work? That, that, yeah, I mean, and that—that's the conflict of that character. Yeah, is that he has that in him, but has a sense of what's right and wrong, and a very strong sense of what's right and wrong. Yeah, but he doesn't always do what he thinks is yeah. right, and this is—and this is called being a human being. I don't know how many people walk through their entire lives without moments of hypocrisy. I've never met that person. Yeah. I'm not that person. Yeah, and you try and strive towards uh, a consistency, and in a way, there's some some of the other characters in the piece. 
might have happier lives, like the Warden Tugs, Don Johnson's character. Yeah. This is someone you get a sense that this person lives a very consistent life. Yeah. yeah that, yeah, and yeah. even even though um, this this doesn't seem like the nicest man, uh, this is someone who has his system and is probably very consistent to it. Yeah. And 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 you know, whereas Bradley knows what he should do, tries to do it, and then makes decisions to not do it, feels bad about it, and then eventually comes into his, comes around. And, and tries to do right again, yeah. and it's this back and forth, and this uh, and these mistakes that he makes, yeah. that that set the whole story in motion. It, 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 his character. This is going to sound slightly odd, but his character made me think of a pit bull or a Staffordshire bull terrier, who right. are these wonderfully affectionate and beautiful dogs, but they have the power to do huge damage, and right. when that happens. Everyone's like, well, they're evil. They're, they're they, they should be put down. They right. shouldn't be allowed. They're too powerful. That's, a, that's, that's a great comparison. And that's what Vince's character is in this. He's this big, bulking man who's trying to do right, but when he's pushed to do wrong, he can do nothing but incredibly wrong. If you know what I mean, he can yes. really just do damage. Yep. And so, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, your approach to violence. And it blew me away in Bone Tomahawk, and even more so, I think in. In, in Brawl, I'm going to abbreviate to Brawl to you save can. us some time here. That's, that's okay. Um, <laughs> there's, I think we're in a great a great time for violence in cinema at the moment. I think people like David a, a Leach does some amazing one shot stuff in in Atomic Blonde that I thought was fantastic, but it's very slick and choreographed. There's some great fast cut type stuff, but what I love about your brand of violence is the the discomfort of it all, the fact that you're generally, it doesn't, you don't allow it, or you don't allow us as a viewer to have the escape of the fact it's a film. So mm-hmm. there's not tons of quick cuts and edits to make that, us go, that, that's it's the a goal. cinematic thing. It's going, no, look at this. And it it, it makes me think of, of Gaspar Noe, um when he had the, the horrific scene in Irreversible that for was, sure. he got a lot of stick for it, but his point was, if you're watching a rape scene, you should feel disgusted and uncomfortable. You shouldn't have the comfort of edits to make you go, just keep eating your popcorn. You should be going, wow, this is horrific. And that's the feeling I get with your brand of violence, is that it is, it's it's all there in front of you. It's not made pretty. It's not made easier to swallow, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Gaspar Noe is, is, is certainly a person to bring up. I mean, I think... Maybe the only time I've ever looked away from the screen mm. in movies in my life was was in Irreversible. Yeah, uh, and but and, and I can think of another movie that really traumatized me and I had to watch it in pieces, which is a Hong Kong movie called Men Behind the Sun. Right, which is uh, detailing experiments on Chinese prisoners in a Japanese uh, prison camp in World War II, and it's it's horrific. And that movie had very little music by my memory. It's been it's been decades since I've yeah. seen it. It really scarred me, and uh, there there is there is an escape when there's an edit and when there's score kind of coaching you how to feel emotionally, yeah. and then it feels more cinematic and less and less real. And I saw uh, there there are, there are a couple different things at work in terms of showing the violence this way. It hits you differently. Like I'm showing violence in, in both movies. But more so in Brawl and Cellblock 99, in the shots where people usually aren't showing graphic violence. Yeah. Because yeah. they're wide. They're shots where you're seeing the entire body or most of the body of the person who is doing the hurting and the person who's getting hurt. 
And so, in, in a way, it sort of becomes a little bit of a magic trick to figure out exactly how to execute these things. Yeah. To show violence, to show graphic violence in shots where you don't typically see it. And because people are so not prepared for it to happen, um, you get the rea- you know the reactions uh, that, that you might expect are there. I mean, I've seen this now in a, in a number of theaters, and I, I look forward to seeing it at the London Film Fest tonight. Yeah. Uh, and it is... Uh, it is a loud crowd, and it's just yeah. you're just seeing those moments of impact and the graphic violence and shots where you're not expecting to. There's also kind of a different thing of me wanting to shoot violence in uh, the, the the fight sequences, which in this movie are intended to be more cathartic than the violence in Bone Tomahawk, which mostly was intending to be uh, traumatic stuff. Yeah. But there is this history of showing the performer which I think is lost when it's be- when it becomes a lot of slow motion, a lot of fast cutting, maybe using the skinny shutter to have that kind of almost high speed look yeah. that people have been in love with since Ridley Scott did it in Gladiator, and yeah. to, to some extent, it's I, I, Spielberg was doing it in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So the, trying to make it happen on the set is hard uh, in that way where it's long takes and lots of fighting. But no one is no one in the world is going to walk away from Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine and think like, oh, that was a you know they that was a stunt double yeah. doing all that fighting for Vince or you yeah. know like you know without question he's doing every last bit of that fighting and he did and um, there's a different thing and and, and my my sister who uh, I I had a little private screening for for friends and family in New York before I started. Uh, actually, before I left to go shoot the third movie, Amazing. and and she, you know, she's she's uh, she's an astute, astute watcher, but she's not a person with a film background. Yeah, and she just kept saying the fights feel real. I don't know why it feels like I'm just watching a real fight happen, and it doesn't yeah. feel like a movie. Yeah, and the compliment from somebody like that who's paying close attention and but isn't sure why it feels a certain way, but it does. I mean that, and that's the design of it. Is yeah. that it should feel like it's really happening in front of you. Uh, this is a hard thing to do. I yeah. mean, it's like I was very fortunate that Vince Vaughn had a competitive wrestling background in high school, yeah. a boxing background, and he was able to do this. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say ninety ninety nine percent of A list actors in Hollywood could not do what he did in this movie. But that's what's beautiful as well. There's a real beauty in 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 the lack of of, of finesse, um, which makes it so realistic. It is a man is is not always in the right position for right. the next thing. It's more natural and realistic in that yep. way. Um, was that? Yeah, a- there, there there was always something with that when I was working with the choreographer uh, Drew Leary, who did did a fantastic job and was very involved in the whole pre production process and all the rehearsals with Vince and all of the other actors. Yep. Uh, there was always this element of like we wanted to have a lot happening in each shot. Like my goal going in is unless it's a moment of graphic violence and we need to set up a fake limb somewhere or however we're doing it, I always wanted to have multiple things happen in a shot. Yeah. Whereas you watch a punch in an average mainstream Hollywood movie and a punch is going to be two shots. Like I yeah. want I, – I, you know, my hope is to have a minimum of three things connect and up from there if if, if it's the right position to see the performances – uh, and so, so Drew and Vince were both really patient with this yeah. and, 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 and making it happen that way on the set. But then there's also a point because there's so much choreography 
then you got to sloppy it up. And at a certain point, like you have everyone is sort of landed, but you don't want it looking like choreography. So you get them all in their positions. But then when they go for it, there's something new that's always coming in, which is, you know, like no one got seriously hurt, but certainly people got punched. Yeah. Uh, making these scenes, I can imagine it's 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 something I was going to ask about the kind of sloppy and up. But as soon as I saw in 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 the next film, uh, Dragged Across Concrete, is mm-hmm. that it's called? A uh, Michael Jai White, who it, the, the the dude can fight. Yes. So so was that an issue to kind of go right? Well, if you fight two Hollywood, then if indeed he is in 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 fight scenes, if you if if you're too slick, it doesn't fit with. Yeah, the you look want, and style of your fight scenes. So uh, was that uh, something that you had to take away a bit of the polish? It's it's. Um, I don't want to speak specifically on on uh, Dragged Across Concrete in terms of what, uh, what Michael Jai White is or isn't doing. I, I will say sure. a really nice compliment he gave uh, Vince and myself on on Brawl and Selbach '99 is that Bradley Thomas Vince's character fights in character. Yeah. And the different characters fight the way they would fight. They don't all fight the same style. Yeah. And it's really finding that from that same place of what was I thinking when I originally wrote this guy and what's his attitude and how was he how would he deal with a martial artist and yeah. and, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um yeah, if you're trying to deliver a movie with all these different characters and then it's it's going the extra step of having them all fight in the style that they would because in in the the titular brawl in Cell Block ninety nine, no two no two of these guys fight in the same manner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in in the closer you look, kind of the more you, the more you'll see that sort of stuff. So there there is um there is a there, there was a concerted effort by uh, Drew myself and and all the all the performers involved in these scenes to have them stay in character, have to have it not look like choreography, but to have a lot unfold in a shot. So it didn't feel like it was manufactured in an editing room. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, titles and and the use of titles. And there's two things in in in, in Bone Tomahawk and A Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine is number one they're very distinctive and descriptive, but number two I think they both play a role in building the suspense because particularly Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine mm-hmm. it is a prison movie takes a while to get to prison yep so there is that kind of you've gone in for a prison movie and now you're like when when's the prison movie and, and bone to right. walk as well we take a while to meet the the evil monster as such right. or monsters as such, and you're waiting for that because it's, it's bone tomahawk there's going to be some kind of right there's that that build so is that a key part for you it's titles i've i read in an interview recently about you not are not being a fan of the trend of of one word titles or for sure titles for sure and stuff like that yeah, and, and, and it, titles titles are probably the the thing I think most about uh, outside of anything uh, in, in the piece itself. So I don't think that there's a more important decision you'll make uh, regarding writing a piece outside of the content of the piece itself, other than the title. Yeah, and so it is. It it might be someone's first impression of a of a, of a movie or a book or a yeah. song or a band, or whatever it is. It might be their only impression if they never engage with yeah, it. So sure. I, I have, I just, I've always had rules with it, and I think a title should be, it should be unique to the piece. Yeah. And there's no, you don't say Bone Tomahawk, and then say, oh, it was the one in, 
you know, uh, 1957 with Sterling Hayden. No, no, no. It was the remake. Yeah. You know, it was the remake with Kurt Russell in 1980. There's no discussion like that. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, unique yeah, to yeah. the piece. It's kind of the point of naming something. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 maybe maybe a reason I prefer for people to call me Zoller rather than Craig. There are far fewer Zollers that you're going to encounter yeah, in your life than, than Craig's. Um, and it's, it's it's basic maths that the more words you add, the greater range of combinations there are. Right. right. At some point, we're going to run out of one word descriptive terms there, or names. There, there, there is to name yeah, a film for for sure. As soon as you add two, that's infinitely more. Add three words, right? You, you're off to the off to the races, the, right? The, the the truth is, little known <laughs> fact: the original name for this movie, for Brawl in Cell Block '99, was Three Day Brawl in Cell Block '99. But then when I wrote it, that brawl wasn't three days, and I don't want to give anything away. But when I wrote it, and I and I didn't want to change it to X number day, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so it just became Brawl in Cell Block '99. But um, obviously, that was it, it's a it's a pretty long title by today's standards, and it was a very long uh, title there. But I, I just want to have something that's unique to the piece, uh, and then the other thing it needs to do is give you an image. Just yeah. put something in your mind. And in the case of both Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Cellblock Ninety Nine, it is a little bit like the carrot yeah. uh, that's being dangled. And when yeah. is when is this going to fall? We know we know that this lies in the future. Uh, but how are we going to get there? And oh, this is how we're going to get there. And yeah. oh, this is going to happen at this point. So it, in in both cases, there is that image that's put in your mind before you've even seen the picture, yeah. giving you a little bit of a sense where it's going in terms of setting up expectations. And this is why, again, like I, I you know, I, the the coming up with an interesting title and a unique title is. Uh, I, you know, I just think it's key. It just informs that first viewing experience. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also part of whenever you're talking about it in the future, you know, someone talked about Bone Tomahawk. They're going to think of the movie, but there's also just that image that will rise from the movie. You yeah. know, I, I think probably the best movie title I, I, I can I've, – I've, I've heard if I had to just name one would be Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Yeah. And the image that puts in your mind. There's no – there's there's no confusion no. over which "Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia" yeah. is, and the image and how badass that title is. And I just hear that, t- like for me, I hear that title and know I have to see that movie, yeah. whatever it is. There's no way I'm not going to be interested in in what's happening in it. And uh, you know, of course, it's Sam Peckinpah, and it's yeah. it's a really it's a real it's a really strong picture. But that to me is the ideal, like. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia or the yeah. assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Now, yeah. these are long titles. Yeah. Uh, but they're, all, they're just unique to the movie. And there, there, are, there are titles out there that are, that are fairly short. But, again, it's, it starts getting generic when it's just a, a, a simple word. But that comes from a process of you're letting maybe people at a studio and advertising people in on the process. So they don't want to have an uncommon word. Yeah. They don't want to have it too long. And so a lot of those titles, it's not that because there are plenty of good movies that have titles. I don't like yeah. um, my, my favorite science fiction writer uh, in the world is a guy named Greg Egan, who does this very, very hard science fiction stuff. And the titles for his pieces, I don't like, and he is a brilliant thinker, yeah. like staggeringly brilliant. And, but I just I look at the titles for his pieces, which are generally one word, and like this is just something that he doesn't really care to do, or maybe he thinks they're great and other people think they're great. I'm like this is I just I just wish they were more distinct to his to his work. Yeah. 
but uh, spending the time to to do that and craft something unique, I think is I think it's important. Completely, it's 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 an individual artist. It's it's what their focus is on. I guess I've I've always in uh, when I was doing a music like before a transition over into acting, I was always a huge. I'm a big fan of music videos, and I put a lot of time and effort and thought into music videos. I'm also aware there's a lot of artists, particularly independent artists, who aren't into that. So right. again, it could be the fact that there's a there are writers who are like, well, the body of the work is the right. work. I don't care what it's called. It's like, well, right. it's it's what focuses you. But what I like about the longer titles as well is there's there's a bit of a a dice roll there as well. There's a bit of a gamble because before you see the film, that title is going to be harder to remember. As soon as you've seen Brawling Cell Block Ninety Nine. It's unforgettable, right. but you know it's, it's that thing that is is that it's it's luring them in and going. Look, honestly, as soon as you've seen it, it's it's right. it's there. But until that point, there is that risk of oh, what's that one with the well again the and name that, that I can't quite and and that and that's that's something. I mean, it, this will also depend on the kind of person and what they do or don't recall. But that's some of the thinking when people are like, let's make it short and easy to say. Yeah. Like I can't even half of the TV shows that are on now and things that are good and that are recommended to me and things that are bad uh, and things that I'm you know only marginally aware of yeah. just these ultra simple titles yeah. uh, and they don't stand out and that's why you know like moonlight came out the movie and you know i probably had four people recommend it to me before i'd realized it was even the same movie yeah and yeah. uh and the same thing with with spotlight um i guess the academy the, the academy of motion pictures really likes movies that have light have in the lighting. title but that but from moonlight originally it was originally a play wasn't it that in, in moonlight title. in moonlight black boys look blue and that title is a fantastic title. And particularly for the tone of the film and everything it's perfect so so that that and that's crazy that's, and that's like kind of the best case example of here was something that had a a, a particularly brilliant title a very evocative one yeah. with multiple meanings and then it just became the the simplest thing. Yeah. And I don't know what that what that thing is about. It's about an eclipse or yeah. uh, vampires yeah. or astronauts. It's, it sounds incredibly vampire-y. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I mean, so I, I I assume it's from your your the, the the praise and love that your novels got that allowed you to to have the freedom that you seem to have because it seems straight away and and talking long titles and stuff like that and the direction you've been able to go in it feels like you've had support and freedom from 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 the off in your the directorial approach and everything how did that come about or how do you feel that came about it's, it's how, did a, that, how did you get that faith? It's, it's more it's more it's it's more complicated than um than that in terms of how i landed to be in the position to do this so yeah. i've written at this point probably 50 Five O screenplays yeah. uh, and eight novels, so it's yeah. it's it's a pretty There's decent a size, work, yeah. yeah, and and maybe four, uh, 11, 12 albums, yeah, of, of different styles, mostly metal, but um, some synthesizer stuff and some and and now some soul, and uh, I was making a living as a screenwriter, but it was really almost like as a hypothetical screenwriter because I'd right. written so many pieces and sold them to studios. I have. Seven piece, six pieces alone sitting in Warner Brothers. Yeah, and so I was. I, I went from being a catering chef who's playing in a death metal band and writing uh, like a massive, massive, massive fantasy novel, uh, and I went from being that guy to somebody who had a three picture deal at Warner Brothers based on a western that I'd written called uh, The Brigands of Radebourg. Yes, uh, and I watched the like the entire A list come and go on this movie. Like yeah. the directors and stars who came and went on this. It's it's like really probably about a third of the of the top 
the top actors who can get your movie made. Yeah. And no one ever, no one ever landed, and it didn't happen. But it it opened the door that I would write a piece, and uh, my agent and and manager would send it out. People would read it immediately because they like my work. It would it would get a little competitive, yeah. Um, or or not depending on the piece. Someone would option it or buy it outright, whichever the situation was, and then it would go somewhere, and then it yeah. would sit. And you know, different different companies uh, would have different pieces of mind for different periods of time. I mean, I've had I've had three kind of drive by different experiences with Leonardo DiCaprio alone, yeah. and so like this, doing this for a lot of years put me in a position where uh, because I was used to making very little money every year as a catering chef, and so yeah. this money is. Is obviously significantly more, yeah. so it put me in a position to kind of be impervious yeah. in a way to money. Right, and uh, I'm not I'm not interested in having children. I'm not interested in being married. I'm interested in in making things. Amazing, and uh, and so because I was comfortable making one tenth the money a year or, or less as a catering chef, I'm in this position, and then it, it became pretty early on like I'm just writing what I'm interested in doing yeah. uh, a little bit. I wouldn't say it, a little bit of the focus changed a little bit more to let me try and write things that I think will get made. Yeah. Uh, and then still that wasn't really happening. So eventually it got to a point where I had sold more, sold or had optioned more than 20 pieces in Hollywood wow. and different pieces and multiple it's TV people shows. Can build that kind of hyper respect within the industry before anything's but even you're made unknown. its way out to the and public, the, and the this public is why, don't know about writers yet. You know? Right, and this is why, and this is why I say like it was like I was a hypothetical screenwriter because yeah. I'm writing all these screenplays and I've written a ton of them, but none of them are getting made. So there are all these blueprints for movies that haven't been made. Yeah. And where I found satisfaction uh, as an artist was my albums were coming out. I was yeah. in this like black death metal band called Charnel Valley, and and you know a label picked that up, and then my my epic metal band Realm Builder. We're working on our fourth album now. Yeah. That got picked up, played with some other local musicians, and so I got satisfaction there. And then the novel thing, and I'd always been interested in that, I started doing those again. And uh, the first novel that came out was called The Congregation of Jackals, which is this Western, and recently the, my preferred edition was was published. Uh, and I saw, okay, if maybe I, if, if I'm writing screenplays and they're going in Hollywood and never made – that's how I can make a good living because yeah. I can keep generating yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, run yeah. out. But uh, the way I'll get satisfaction is my albums and books will come out. Yeah. And that's a life I could live in and enjoy without going and directing movies. Uh, yeah. At the same time, I'm a big movie fan. There's a reason I went to film school yeah, and had like a, you know, a Fangoria posters on my wall and a statue of Humphrey Bogart and a standee of Robocop and all the stuff that Amazing. I did as a kid. And it's because I love this stuff. And, yeah. and uh so once once Bone Tomahawk, uh, once I'd written Bone Tomahawk with the idea of like, I'm just going to try and get this together and make it any way that I can, uh, then it became clear to me like, oh, yeah, this is this is the way to go in terms of me making uh, the, the right kind of material. But in all these situations, it needed to be situations where I had final cut. Yeah. And um, it was really hard getting Bone Tomahawk going. That was sort of going and collapsing for almost like two and a half years. I mean, we were out in Utah scouting a version for, uh, you know, a half different cast. Wow, that man, thing yeah. collapsed. There's a Romania version. There was talk of a, there was <laughs> wow. a New Mexico version. And so that thing kept dying and, and Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins were sort of on board for all of those. And then everybody else uh, kind of came and went. 
but it was uh, eventually we landed in a in a spot where we made it for you know one fifth what people in the industry said we could do it for. We did it for less than two million, and people said this could never be done for less than ten, and uh, so they're wrong. Yeah, and we made it, and uh, and as soon as you know, as soon as that thing came to completion, I said I, I you know, I want to do more. But I'm not going to be in a situation where I don't have Final Cut. Yeah. Like I would rather not make the movie. The thought that I'm going to spend 2,000 hours on a on a movie and then some dude in a room in a suit it's going is, is going to say this part. stuff needs to change or what do what's you know what do people think about? But I'm, in, in a way, and this is a real testament to Dallas Sonier, who is uh, who mortgaged his home to get Bone Tomahawk made, yeah. and who is, uh, is 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 my producing partner in all this stuff and, and my partner for life a real testament to you know to him is he he knew like he was the person when everyone said this movie can't be made and he kind of put or not kind of he literally put his home on the line to get nice. it made he was the one who's like well I, I i think he can do it and and he bet on me being able to do it that's fantastic well i'll wrap things up now but i just want to say that the the beauty there of of, of being in a position where your your focus isn't the financial return or whatever else because you've worked in jobs that that pay very little it gives it seems to give you that freedom to not have to to bend and bow to fit right. the industry and one of the things i liked i've i've been excited about these first two films and the next one is it feels like a return to the days of of word of mouth of films which isn't that common anymore with huge advertising campaigns and billboards right. and a million tra- trailers in advance. This made me think of 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 when Chopper came out and right. when and, and when American History X came out and things like that. Where you're like, I'm, I'm a huge, you've got I'm to see huge, this. I'm a huge Andrew Dominic fan. I, yeah. I I've probably sent him like five, six different scripts of mine. I, I think he's terrific. My only criticism for that guy is just, dude, make more movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan Definitely. of all, all three all three of his pictures, and yeah. think he's a phenomenal talent. And that was it. It's, it's, it's got that vibe, and that feels like an exciting thing in, in the film industry at the moment, right. that is a, an industry that's become quite understandably so there's a lot of money at risk in it, so a lot of risks don't get taken. So yes. it's, it's great to see these films that kind of go fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, well, let's well just thank you, it. and that, and and it's and it's one of these things like when we're selling Bone Tomahawk, and to you know again to Dallas's credit, uh, he was behind this. I said the right version of Bone Tomahawk. Twenty percent of the people who are going to go see a movie called Bone Tomahawk will think it's boring. Yeah. Twenty percent will think it's disgusting or offensive. Sixty percent will like it. Yeah. And so I'm saying this before we ever started shooting, <laughs> and I said that's the right version of this movie. Yeah. And the critical the critical response exceeded that. I'd say the popular response was sort of there. Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, it is still like like the reviews on Amazon. It it never stops. Like at, at some point, we hit like I think we're at like double the amount of reviews as, as something like Avatar has. Amazing. And the conversation keeps going on and on and on about that. Uh, and then the reactions thus far for Braun Selbach 99 have been even better yeah. and more positive. Um, and I think in a way, uh, this is a little bit better for the crowd that might not be patient for some of the drama because it really does deliver. Oh, it has some plot twists and it really does deliver uh, more violence. Yeah. But, but again, it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, I w- I'm, I'm comfortable it not being for everybody because actually none of the music I make, none of the books I write, and, and uh, none of the movies I've made or intend to make are for everybody. I'm not chasing the biggest audience. I'm 
uh, trying to satisfy my, my own artistic urges and then make something that will allow me to make the thing after it. The, and everything else is gravy. That's perfect. The slogan of, of my record label is, oh, we may not be for you and that's fine. And Correct. That it's just perfect. That's, in this, in this that, that could be the slogan. That could be the slogan. That could be put on my tombstone. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Very enjoyable. There we go. That was S. Craig Zala. Um, hope you enjoyed that chat. I promised you I'd tell you who's on next week. So um, next week is the live Distraction Pieces podcast from the Dublin Podcast Festival. So that's in two parts. I'll put probably part one up at midnight and part two at midday um, on Wednesday still. And part one is me joined on stage by... I tell a few stories at the start. I have a bit of a chat. I tell an interesting story at the start that's a bit sexual. Um, and then I have a Blind Boy Boat Club of the Rubber Bandits come up for a fantastic chat about the state of TV. A lot of it oh, we got round to somehow. And then I have a chat with Stu and Chris um, of Hardcore Listing and Drunkcast fame. And then in part two, it's the crowd. And this is going to be, you know hard to say publicly on here but i think it's the best of the live crowds i've done i've done two or three in london a few in scotland manchester liverpool all over the place and this might be the best crowd questions i've had i had this amazing young man i come up at the start who's 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 disabled um and just does not give a fuck and it's really it's a cool chat so yeah check that out next week the week after that i think it'll be gene gray and then johnny lee miller and then rick edwards talking about his book and podcast and his they're amazing they're the it's called science ish um and it's about the science behind movies so it picks a movie like the martian and then looks into the science behind it or inception or whatever else or alien um, it's pretty cool. Or Minority Report. All these different things. Dr- Jurassic Park. Anyway, that's not for ages because I'm really ahead of myself on these podcasts. So I'll see you all next week, I guess. Thank you for tuning in. Bye bye. <laughs>